Well, good morning. You remember that old song, don't you? That commercial? Yep. How are you guys today? Tired? I feel you. I feel you. Well, welcome to Life Church. Uh, we're getting ready to jump into uh, our worship. Uh, again, this week we will be uh, streaming worship from the West Valley campus. So uh, let's invite God's presence into this place and uh, jump into that. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to uh, come and meet together as your people. We ask, Lord, that your presence would fill this place. Lord, as we uh, sing songs to you that glorify you, I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, be here with us in our midst. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
we need, Lord. You're all that we want. And we just ask that your presence is here this morning. I want to.
ahead and give him some praise. Jesus, we thank you that the victory is yours. We thank you that we can trust and know that there is victory, that there is power, that there is healing in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We love you and we just pray that you continue to be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to change it a little bit. We're going to take five minutes. We're going to let the kids get some jitters out. As you see, the kids are with us. So we're going to take five minutes, say hi to some people, go to the bathroom if you need to, let the kids wiggle. See you in five.
seeing? Am I on? Hello. Am I on? I am. Okay. You can hear me. See, some of you gave me this look like five minutes. You guys took all five minutes and some more. So that's awesome. It's awesome to see you guys visiting with each other. Um, thanks for being here. How was your week? Was it a good week? Good, good. My week's a little crazy, a little hectic, but I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, just a couple of announcements real quick. As, as I, I mentioned last week, we have some construction going on here in the church, so if you notice there's no baseboards in the back or dust here or there, we're, uh, we're working on those things and uh, hopefully get wrapping those up. Um, tithes and offerings, if you have any gifts you'd like to give, back at the giving kiosk, we have a place that you can uh, give there, and then also at lifechurchutah.com, you're also able to give there. Um, I have a really exciting announcement. Um, for the last two weeks, we have been doing the streaming of uh, the worship from West, the West Valley campus, but we have a couple of our, you know them, uh, they've been here, they've been, they were part of the, the worship team when I was leading it, uh, that are going to take over the, the helm of leading worship, and that is Eddie and Sadie O'Bannon. So starting next week, and we, we have a drummer, and Chris is our drummer. Yeah. Yoo-hoo! Yeah. Right on. So starting next week, we will be back to live worship. So very exciting uh, for that news. And um, last week, we looked at a topic. Uh, well, if you've been following, we've been in a series called uh, The Parables of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the parable of the new wineskins. And we learned that we needed to stay pliable and teachable, um, that uh, Jesus will use new things to impact communities. And now that doesn't mean that the old things are bad and that the new things are better. It's just that sometimes Jesus will use new ways of impacting communities. And one example I thought of was worship. Uh, Way back when, when we, Pete and Connie and I were cleaning out some of the closets downstairs, we found old hymnals from the 1930s and 40s and 50s. And uh, that was worship back then. You'd open your hymnal, turn to this page, and sing along. Um, And then from there, you had choruses. And then from choruses, you moved into more of the modern worship. And then during modern worship, people would take the hymns and mesh them together with the new worship stuff. So God is always doing something new. And I I encouraged uh, all of us to stay teachable and coachable and allow God to move us in new, different directions to impact our community. Well, this week, we're going to look at the parable of the ten virgins found in Matthew chapter 25. And this parable really pushes us to examine being prepared. A story that I have about being prepared, if you don't know, I work for Pepsi uh, full-time. I've been there uh, almost 15 years in November. My current role is a supervisor over all of our delivery, uh, deliveries of uh, vending machines, and then we call them busy coolers. Um, to you, they would just be a refrigerator with a glass door. 
I, I schedule and manage that inventory, but I also am in charge of all of our fountain machine installs. Now, if you've not worked for a soda company, you might think that you just put a machine on a counter and voila, you have soda. But there's actually quite the process to it. You start in a back room with a rack where you have uh, concentrated syrup boxes where you run uh, a plastic tubing from that back room to the front where you use pumps to push that syrup up front. And then in the front, you have to worry about um, the, the cabinet. Can it sustain the weight of the machine, the ice, and the ice maker? Can the countertop? Because your average machine will be 150 pounds to 300 pounds. We have a couple that are 500. Then you throw 250 pounds of ice. Then you throw a 200-pound ice maker on top. You got to make sure, and it's my job to make sure my guys are prepared for that install. I have to gather all of the information and make sure that they are ready to walk into that install and finish their job um, when they leave. Sometimes you have good information and you get it done. Sometimes you don't, and you work through those things. But I thought that was a good example of uh, needing to be prepared to move, uh, to, to be prepared uh, to, to accomplish something. And as we go over this uh, parable of the ten virgins and talk about being prepared, I, you have to kind of go back into chapter 24, because Jesus is setting the stage of what chapter 25 is about, and he's setting up the stage for his second coming. So go with me, if you will, into your imagination, and it might be easier for the kiddos, but I think you adults can pull it off. Imagine, if you will, a world where you have people that are teaching things or proclaiming things with enough confidence that it sounds like truth that they're going out and they're, they say it enough to where they try to make you believe that what they're teaching is true. Or maybe you could picture a world where there's rumors and talks of, well, this country is going to fight this country or this kingdom against this kingdom. Or perhaps a world where there's a shortage of stuff and there's earthquakes. And how about if you've ever been... Okay. Hey, and I'm back. How far back do we have to go? <laughs> Just move forward. Pretend it never happened. Nothing. Um, but it seems like we're always hearing about, oh, Russia this, North Korea that. There's going to be World War III. And, and I don't know about you, but I know I've been persecuted. I don't know if that's the right word, but I've been ridiculed for what I believe. I've been made to think that I'm less than because 
what I believe. And I think we can all relate to that. You know, so as we go through this study of um, what it means to be prepared, I had this thought. And the thought was this. Let the love of Jesus draw your heart to be prepared. Let the love of Jesus draw your heart to be prepared. Because you see, in chapter 24, Jesus was talking about um, when, you in, when you see the tree getting ready to bud, you know spring is around the corner. Also, when you see these things, you will know that the end is near. Now, I'll throw that out with this caveat. Every generation from when Jesus left till now has believed that they are the last generation. So um, we need to live like we're the last generation, but we have no idea. We don't know if Jesus will tarry, stay uh, for a little bit longer, because he said not the angels know, not the Son of Man knows, but only the Father knows when he's going to return, but that our hearts need to be prepared for that day. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And while you turn there, I'll start reading. It'll be on the screen here uh, if you have your tablet, your phone. You know, I, I said this a, a couple messages ago. I really like holding the Bible in church. I don't know. Hearing the pages turn. It's, I'm old school. I am still, I'm old enough to be old school, but young enough to be young, new school? New school. I was going to say young school. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, so anyway, I'll read. Here we go. Uh, the, t the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Verse 11, Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You know, Jesus makes that statement at the end of chapter 24 and at the end of this that no one knows the hour. And we talked about that a little bit, but he, he makes this reference that you will have two people working in the field. One will stay, one will be left, and one will go. Two people will be grinding at the mill. One will be left and one will go. So when we're referring, what are we referring to? What are we talking about when we're talking about being prepared? Being prepared for the bridegroom to come. Well, if you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. We read in Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 18, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come 
to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What does that mean that he fulfilled the law? Like last week, I mentioned that the, the, the Israelites were waiting for someone to rise up militarily and bring them to their former glory and establish their kingdom. So when Jesus says, I'm not here to abolish, but to fulfill, what does that mean? Well, in the law, it was all about what you did. If I didn't do certain things, then I was okay. It was uh, don't murder, don't steal, don't do don't do things, and you'll be okay. Well, Jesus comes, and he flips that on its head. And instead of saying, it's not about what you do, it matters what's in your heart. He took it from a, an action to a heart issue. He changed it from what you did to what your character is. And that's what matters. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he gives examples of these. And I'm going to read a few of them to you on anger he said this you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but i say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire on lust he said this if he said you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. On oaths, he said this again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You know, as a kid, that was one thing my mom always stressed to me. It was something that my grandpa was really good at, my grandpa Beery. Um, he would tell us all... He, you say, well, I promise, and he's like, no, don't, don't swear. If you say, yes, you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, don't do it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. In retaliation, he said this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, the, the church that we attended before we came here, uh, Pastor Troy taught a, an incredible lesson on this re retaliation here. Um, a lot of people think it's a matter of becoming the world's doormat, allowing people to walk over you. Um, but one example he gave was in ancient uh, Jerusalem, most people, even today, are right-handed. So if someone was going to slap you, they were going to slap you with their right hand. Now, if they were going to slap you on your right cheek, you can't hit the right cheek with the palm of your hand. But it was a backhand to, the, to that cheek. 
which was a form of insult. So if they're going to insult you with this, give them the other one as well. And I hope that in the future we can dive into that and kind of uh, dissect it because it was an amazing teaching and there's a lot of good principles. But on love your enemies, he said this, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your 